Well, good morning, everybody. I'm uh, Brian, the lead pastor here at Life Chapel. It's so good to see you today on this holiday weekend. Thanks for joining us for worship. And today we are continuing our gratitude series over the last uh, month, all through the month of November. We've been talking about the power of gratitude to change your life. And each one of these weeks has been phenomenal. I mean, I, sometimes I say I'm preaching to myself, but literally over this past month, I've been preaching to myself um, and just experiencing the power of gratitude in my own life. And I hope that you've benefited from this series. Today, we are going to continue that series, but I am not going to preach. You know why? Because my father is visiting us. And uh, yeah, let's give it up. Wayne Merritt. Awesome. He's been in pastoral ministry for almost 40 years and has just done an incredible job. He's the senior pastor at the Vidalia Church of God down in South Georgia. If you ever eat a Vidalia onion, it comes from his backyard. He, <laughs> just kidding, but no, they're, they're close. But uh, anyway, we are so glad to have him today as he brings the message and continues our series. Come on, one more time. Let's give it up for my dad, Wayne Merritt. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we have just been blessed to spend Thanksgiving this year with um, Brian and Carmen and uh, Brianna, Nora, and Olivia. And we've had a wonderful time. We got to spend a couple of days in Divide, Colorado, about 9,000 feet plus over uh, sea level. And I'm from, like, uh, sea level. That's where I'm from. So I'm way up. So I started reading some stuff uh, online about the different effects that high altitude has on you because I, you know, had a couple things going on. But I did find something to be extra thankful for, and that was when you are at a high elevation that you should eat more. <laughs> that came in so good at Thanksgiving. But, uh, hey, we just love Life Chapel. We brag on you everywhere we go, and that is the truth. And, of course, we've got a vested interest here, too, and uh, so we make no, no, no bones about that. But uh, it's just so wonderful to, to be with you in this service today. I've sensed the presence of the Lord, and I just want to continue to flow in His presence just for a moment or two longer as I preach and minister the Word of the Lord. Um, now, this morning, I'm going to minister a message in keeping with your theme, Blessed Beyond Measure. Blessed Beyond Measure. How many of you would lift your hand and say, I'm blessed beyond measure? I like to use that phrase. My niece used that on social media this week. She's blessed beyond measure. And uh, nine years ago, she was in a terrible car accident, and she's a quadriplegic, but she's always blessing the Lord. And um, I just want you to turn. Now, you've got to participate. If you participate, I, I don't preach as long. So would you just turn to somebody and say, be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. And uh, as a matter of fact, be blessed beyond measure. Now, you know, God is in this thing of blessing. Amazing. He commands us to bless each other, and that's why I just ask you to Turn to somebody and say, be blessed. He even commands us to bless those who curse us. That's tough. I want to blast those that curse me, but he says, no, 
I want you to live on a higher level than that. But you know, God commands us to bless His name. And that's the interesting thing about that. Now, I'm not going to go into, that's a message of a different sort to understand why God calls on us to bless His name and even commands us. But in the Old Testament, the word blessing the Lord was a Hebrew word, Baruch, and it was to it, it, had, it, it was similar to the word knee in Hebrew, and it meant to kneel before God and just be mindful and acknowledge Him in His greatness for all of His blessings that He bestows upon us. And so having said that, having understood that, that we are just to bow before Him, but it's blessing the blesser. Amen? And, you know, as we're thinking about Thanksgiving and coming into the Thanksgiving season, uh, we're thinking about that, and, and I think about that psalm, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and do what? And bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. So you get the idea of blessing the Lord for all of His blessings. Like David did in Psalm 103. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all His many benefits. The idea of blessing the Lord is blessing the one who blesses us. And he begins to enumerate them. He says, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who uh, redeems our life from destruction. And he, he enumerates all of those blessings from God. Well, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesians, begins that book with this in mind, with this Baruch. He's a, he's a Hebrew Christian. And he, he begins with this understanding of blessing the Lord for His blessings. And in this verse, in Ephesians 1 and 3, he writes this from a prison cell, no less. Get that. A prison cell. And he says this, blessed beyond measure, I'm telling you, it's in this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Wow, that verse is loaded. Because that word praise, the first word praise, really if you have a King James or a New King James, it may be translated blessed. Blessed be the God and Father. And you'll notice that he then says, who has blessed us. And then a third time, with every spiritual blessing, three times this word blessed, God's in the blessing, is found in this one verse. Now, the interesting thing about those three words is they all come from the same root word, the same Greek word that we translate our English words into, uh, in being blessed. And the, and the thing about that is, is this. When we look at this, we know that, uh, well, the first word, they're all a little different, but the first word is the highest blessing, to, to bless the Lord with all that is within me, that He is worthy of all blessing. And then that word means, literally, it means to speak well of, to speak well of. 
And what we have here is the second word. It means to show favor to. It means to speak in honor to. And that the Lord has blessed us. The last word is literally a gift. And that's why so many times you can translate it blessing or favor or gift or grace. And what God wants us to understand is that these words are interchangeable. But this scripture is loaded with being blessed beyond measure. And I just want us to grab hold of that today. As a matter of fact, God prioritizes blessing us. When he created us in Genesis 1 and 27, he made us in his image. Male and female, he made us in his image. And then the first thing God said about us was blessing. And God blessed them and said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And I want you to, f- uh, to fill the earth and subdue it. And I want you to take dominion. But I want you to know from that time forward, that time on, Every baby that has been born into this world is born with the blessing of God. And our children and our young people, oh, how they need to know that they are born with a blessing from God in their life. Parents, let's make sure. Grandparents, let's make sure they know that they are born with that blessing. But God is into prioritizing that we are blessed beyond measure because He begins the law of the covenant in Deuteronomy 28, the old covenant. And you know, it's interesting. He says in about verse 1, if you will obey me. Then he says in verse 2, all of these, get this, all of these blessings will overtake you. I'm talking about being blessed beyond measure. God is into this. He wants this for our life. And then he starts out the old covenant law in Deuteronomy 28 and 3. He says, that, that you and I, blessed is the one. He begins to say that we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the country, we're blessed when we come in, we're blessed when we go out, we're blessed with the works of our hands. God is blessing us. He prioritizes that. You know, there's 150 psalms. It's the longest psalm, it's the longest book in the Bible, 150 in five divisions. And did you know what the very first word of all of those psalms are, you know, you guessed it, blessed. Blessed is the man or blessed is the woman. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And watch this, that man or that woman is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither, and whatever it does, it shall prosper. Abundant blessing. When Jesus Christ was born into this world, John writes about the incarnation different than Matthew and Luke. And we're, you know, getting into this wonderful time of the year. But John calls Jesus the Word in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. Then he said in verse 14 that the Word was made flesh or made human, and, and he made his home, his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then he says in verse 16, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing 
after another. It's, it's like the, the, the waves of the ocean just coming in on our lives. And then you guessed it, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation 22 and 7 and verse 14 as well, it ends with blessing. And as we go into the eternal state, the new heaven and the new earth, God has blessed us abundantly, blessed us beyond measure because he said, I am coming quickly. I'm coming again. I'm coming soon. Blessed is the person who uh, keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Well, the setting that we have here in Ephesians 1 and 3, that setting is Paul is in prison. Instead of complaining and griping, if it were me, I would probably call my congressman because he was there unjustly treated. Well, he, it was true. He was there for preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that he's the Messiah, and he's the one that's been raised from the dead, and he is in prison for that, and for that he's guilty. But he's in prison. Instead of doing all of that, he's praising the Lord. He is blessing the Lord because he knows that the one who has blessed him has blessed him abundantly and beyond measure. And you know, it doesn't matter this morning where you were born or how you were born or what you have or what you don't have. It doesn't matter the conditions or the circumstances or the situations that you find yourself in. We ought always to bless the Lord. We ought always to bless the Lord. You know, uh, I just want to go back to that Ephesians 1 and 3 that was there in the beginning. And I want us to look at it, just let that sink into us. Because you see, that's where my victory is. My victory is right there. My victory is in knowing that every morning when I get up, I'm going to bless the Lord because he's abundantly blessed me. When I lay my head down at night, I'm going to bless the Lord regardless of the circumstances. That's where the victory is in life. And I want to lift up three things for you this morning. Just three things that I want us to look at and consider as we think about the blessings of the Lord in our life. And here's the first thing that this tells us, and I've underlined it later, but it's the source. God is our source. He's the source of our blessings in our life. You know, the government, your employer, your parents, your own abilities, they're not your source of blessing, but your blessing is right here in Ephesians 1 and 3. And look at it again because I underlined it there at the beginning. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. How many of you know the doxology? We ought to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And, and He is the source, and we don't ever need to forget that he Now, he uses people to bless us. He uses channels to bless us. And, and that's undoubtedly true. But the source of our blessing is always the Lord. And that's why we bless him. They flow freely from his grace and his goodness and his faithfulness. As, uh, as we've noticed in these, these uh, verses that I've quoted already today. And the person of praise recognizes that God is the source. Romans 11 and 36, for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever. So I just want to remind you this morning that your 
blessings are not good luck. They're no, there's no such thing. They're not coincidental. It's not just good fortune. But your blessings are because there's a heavenly Father watching over you. And he's protecting you. And he's providing for you. And to God be the glory, great things he has done. Yeah, I found it interesting that in 1956, the Congress of the United States changed our motto from e pluribus unum, which means out of many, one, changed our national motto by the law to in God we trust. You see that on your money. In God we trust. It's section 30, uh, code 36, section 302 of the U.S. law. Now, why did the Constitution, uh, the, the Congress, find it necessary to put this into law? And President Eisenhower at that time Write it into law, sign it into law. Well, it was because there was a standoff in the Cold War between the U.S., the seat of democracy, and the Soviet Union, the seat of communism, that held Eastern Europe in its grip. And they wanted to make a distinction. They wanted to make a clear distinction for this country that it's in God we trust. We want to make a distinction that the United States of America is a democracy where that the, the, our trust is in God from the seat of communism, which is the seat of atheism. And I want to tell you this morning, we need another revival in this land. We need another revival in this land of in God we trust this morning. Do you agree with that? We need a revival again in our country that it's in God we trust. So, some trust in chariots, the psalmist said, some in horses, but we will trust in the Lord. And it's that understanding that God is our source, and He's going to provide everything that we need in every situation of our lives. Just trust Him. You know, I, I, uh, I have in my possession the testimonies of my wife's grandmother, Minnie Lee Stone, She's been dead since the late 80s, uh, mid-80s. Uh, Brian, Pastor Brian's uh, great-grandmother, I have in my possession testimonies of her life. Now, I knew Kim's granny, as she called her, long before I knew Kim. And because she was a charter member in the church that I grew up in outside of Hazelhurst, Georgia, the Bridgeford Church. But she was one of the meekest, most unassuming giants of the faith that I've ever met in my life. You see, she learned that God was her source at a very difficult time in her life. And uh, as a matter of fact, when uh, Kim's dad was only a few months old, this was 1930. It was the, uh, the, the very beginning of the Depression. They were sharecroppers in Jeff Davis County, Georgia. And uh, her husband, uh, Kim's dad's uh, dad, he died suddenly with pneumonia. Now, sharecroppers, they, they work the, the farm of another owner, and somehow they, they divide out the profits and give it to the sharecropper. Uh, and there is uh, a, a stopling of, like, they provide a house on the farm. But now imagine this. She's got nine children. Kim's dad is the youngest. He's just a few months old. And the breadwinner is dead. It was hard. She'd had no place to live. Matter of fact, she had to live in a back room, which was a small church of the Bridgeford Church. 
And I could go on and on about her testimonies of God being her source. There's some great ones, and I plan to have them published for the family. But the, the, the one that stood out was, was one that blessed me so much. She had, um, she had to take in laundry, you know, they called it washing and ironing for an income, for a living. They worked, uh, she and the older children, farms here and there to, to make ends meet. But she had committed to her church 50 cents a month for a brand-new piano they needed over beyond her tithe. Now, that don't sound like it won't buy much today of anything, but back then that was a, a, good, a good commitment in 1930. 50 cents a month for this new piano. And one month she just did not have it. She just didn't have it. She, she wanted to give it, but she just didn't have it. She was feeling a little down about that, and a woman came into Sunday school, Sunday school before the main service of church, life groups before church, sat down, and no one knew this woman. No one had ever seen her before. And after Sunday school, the woman left the service, didn't stay for the main service like we're in today, and she walked by Granny, and she held out her hand and said, the Lord would have you to have this. And Granny opened her hand, and it was 50 cents. Now, you say, well, Pastor, why didn't she have $100? Well, you know, God provided. And it teaches us that he gives us manna every day. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He's our source. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and the point is, is we've got a source of blessing. And, and I, I just want you to, to see what else Paul says, because then he talks about the sphere of blessing. The sphere of blessing. Uh, you know, uh, where, where are these blessings that we have so abundantly beyond measure from God? Well, I want you to look again in Ephesians 1 and 3 because I've underlined a phrase there that's very unique to the book of Ephesians, and it's in the heavenly realms. As a matter of fact, you will not read that phrase in any other book of the Bible except for in the book of Ephesians. And it's in the book of Ephesians, six chapters, but it's there five times. And what it is telling us, me and you this morning, is that we live in two worlds and two spheres at the same time while we are here interacting in a natural world, in a material world, in a visible world, in a, uh, in a temporal world. We are at the same time, we are surrounded in a spiritual realm, a realm of the invisible, a realm of the eternal, a realm, I want to tell you Sometimes we think that this realm, this natural realm that we can see and hear and taste and smell and touch, we think it controls the heavenly, but not so. The heavenly realm is controlling what's going on in here this morning in your life and in your world. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11 and 3 makes it clear that the things that we see in creation were not made by things which are visible. Uh, God's Word, His being is powerful. And, and what we need to get a hold of today is that while we are in this sinful, broken, fallen world, that you and I really do have a sphere of blessing that is beyond any measure because it's from the heavenly realms. I want to show you this, just a couple of more verses here in Ephesians, because the next time this phrase is used, Paul is praying for us. It's in Ephesians 2 and 6. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1 and 20. 
the next time Paul uses this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's praying for us that we would understand and know the power that we have, those of us who believe, that God worked in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead and, watch this, and seated him at his own right hand. Where? In the heavenly realms, and there Christ is seated today, Savior and Lord, with all authority and power in heaven and on earth. But he didn't stop with that. Something wonderful is about to happen because in the very next chapter, he said, you know, that we were living at a very low level in life. We were dead in trespasses and in sins. But Christ raised us from the dead when we put our trust and our faith in him. And this is where we are. This is our sphere. This is your sphere in Christ in Ephesians 2 and 6, and God raised us up with Christ. Can somebody say hallelujah? Yes, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And don't forget that. It's all in Christ Jesus. When you and I have a relationship with Christ, you know, it's not that God blesses uh, uh, the saved and He doesn't bless the unsaved or He blesses the righteous and He doesn't bless the unrighteous. No, God blesses us all. He causes His Son to shine, His Son to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous and and sends rain on the on the, the on the uh, the good and the those that are are unrighteous or are not uh, uh, living for him he, because he's a God who loves us and he's a God who gives to us these wonderful blessings but you see when you and I surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ we have a greater awareness of these blessings of grace that surround us yes we live in a sinful fallen world people are hurting our family members are hurting sometimes our children are hurting but God has said to us surrounding us is this heavenly grace the graces of God to to provide for us and protect us and give us power for living and peace in life you know John Newton was a man who knew the lowest level of life the lowest level John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. Did you know that Amazing Grace is the most published and recorded song in all genres? If you like rap, R&B, jazz, whatever. Amazing Grace is the most recorded and published song. John Newton would write that later, but before then, he lived at the lowest level of life. His mother died when he was seven. His father was a slave trader. He traded slaves from Africa back up to England. And at the age of 11, he brought John into that business. And from 11 until he was a young man, John Newton was a slave trader. He was on a ship called the Greyhound, and they were coming back from Africa to England with this horrible plight on America and other nations' slavery that horrible sin of treating others so inhumanely. He was on that ship, and he had been given a book by a man by the name of Thomas Akempis, The Imitation of Christ. And as he read this book, it uh, revealed to him that he could have a greater life in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the book also revealed the judgments of sin. And John Newton quit reading it because it convicted him. How many of you know God's got a way of getting our attention? You can't shut him out or turn him off. And so a great thunderstorm 
a great storm came up on the sea. And that boat was about to go down. I mean, people were panic-stricken. And so was John Newton. And he cried out and he said, Lord, have mercy on us. Well, eventually, the storm subsided and he made his way back to Liverpool, England. He got to thinking about Now, in his own journal, he had written that he was an atheist. But he understood that there was a God. There was a reality of God. There's the reality of prayer. He gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, began to study the Scriptures, became an evangelist, and eventually became a pastor in a little old town in England called Olney, England. And he would often write songs in, in, in response to those common people who had a difficult time understanding those big theological words in the church hymnal. Now, they were good words, but he wrote more common words. It is said John Newton celebrated the day he got saved every day of his life. Uh, March 9th, 1748, and uh, he would often visit in only England wearing that old overcoat that he wore on the slave ship to remind himself of where God had brought him from. You know, he was writing a sermon, and he needed a song to go with the sermon the next day for his church, and that's when God gave him the words, Amazing Grace. And he began to write, Amazing Grace, How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, that's not too popular in today's preaching world. But for John Newton, it was more than poetic. It was personal. He testified that he saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Why do I tell you this? And why do we talk about this fear? Because sin will take us to the lowest level. But how many of you know where sin abounds? Grace does much more abound. And the grace of God and the love of God and the power of God will lift us up into a place of heavenly realms this morning. You know, I I just want to, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) don't misunderstand this. You are not going to have a problem for free life. You may have more. I don't know. Because we do. But what we know is this. If you need to know him as your Savior and Lord this morning, you will find he will raise up every area of your life to a higher level of living. Hallelujah. Because, you see, we are blessed because we sit together with Christ in the heavenly realms. So God the Father is the source of our blessings. Always remember that. We are blessed in the heavenly sphere because we sit together with Jesus in those heavenly realms when we turn to him as Savior and Lord. And then finally, and I'm going to ask the band to come, we see the scope. The scope. Everybody say the scope. The scope of his blessings. In this one verse, we see the scope of our blessings in Ephesians 1 and 3. And he's going to talk to us about the the width and the length, and the height, and the depth of these blessings with us here in this chapter. But before he does, I want you to look at it one more time. I've underlined it with every, everybody say every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, if you read the next 11 verses, he'll begin to enumerate how blessed we are to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. And if you and I will make him the center of our lives, 
if we'll make him the center of our lives, we will, we will live out these blessings. It's not that God loves us more. It's just that we recognize that we begin to live that out in our lives, the scope of his, every spiritual blessing. In verse 4 of Ephesians 1, he'll talk about that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. How many of you have ever, ever, when you were a kid, standing on the playground and everybody got chosen but you? But I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus chooses us all before the very foundation. You are chosen this morning. You're chosen. Verse 5 says that he has adopted us. Matter of fact, he, he predestined us to adoption. And adoption there means that we have the full rights, like it, your parents left you an inheritance and you couldn't get it until you reached 18. Well, it was the full right. You and I have access to all of our blessings in Jesus today. We have the blessings of the Holy Spirit and the life and the joy and the peace and the righteousness that's in the kingdom. And then in verse number 7, he says that he has redeemed us in his blood and has forgiven us. In verse 9, he says we're so blessed with every spiritual blessing that we have the knowledge of his will he reveals to us. And then in verse 13, I really like this. He says this morning, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of redemption. What does that mean? He goes on to tell it in verse 14. He says it's a guarantee it's a down payment on your eternal life as though you were already there in a glorified body. How many of you have ever put a, a down payment on a house? Well, it's yours at the end, but you've, you've, got, a, you've got some earnest money on it. Well, the Holy Spirit inside of you, He is your deposit. He is your earnest money this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine and we can feel and understand and experience the joy and the peace like we've experienced here this morning in our lives spiritual blessings but you know it th this word and, and, and I've studied this because I don't want anybody to misunderstand this word every spiritual blessing every spiritual blessing in Christ carries the idea of the Holy Spirit as the executor of these blessings. How many of you know that God will bless every area of your life? And I want to be careful here. Because you see, God doesn't measure it in dollars and cents like we do sometimes. But He measures it out beyond measure. Amen? Beyond measure. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, it says that God is able. God is able. He's our source to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound to what? To be stinky, rich, and selfish? No. You will abound beyond measure to every good work. He blesses us to be a blessing. How many of you know that's true? He says in Philippians 4.19, I'm talking about every spiritual blessing, the scope of them. And my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He sees in that heavenly realm. James 1 and 17 says, Every good and perfect gift, that's the scope, is from above. That's the sphere, heavenly realms. From above, through the Father who is our source of lights, 
who does not change like shifting shadows. Here's my point this morning. Here's my point. Isaiah 1 and, and 19. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. It's Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those that are rich in this life not to become haughty nor trust in riches down here that are so uncertain, but to trust in the living God who gives us freely by His gracious blessing and His gracious gift. He gives us freely all things to enjoy. As we come to the close of this service, Praise band is going to come and lead us in a song. Somehow in my own heart, I want us just to, just to look up to heaven today and give God praise and thanks because He's the source and He never runs out. You have a sphere. Matter of fact, you got a new address when you got saved. The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. You got a new address. You got a address down here. Well, you got an address in heaven, and you're a citizen of heaven. And you and I, we have every spiritual blessing to do His will and His work, His way in our lives. Because He loves, it takes, it gives Him good pleasure to give us the kingdom. 3 John 2, I would above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Would you stand with me? I, you know, I want us today, before we leave this service, before the praise team comes and Pastor Brian uh, leads us in a closing, I want us just to lift our heads toward heaven. If that's not your comfort zone, just open your heart right now to the Lord. You may want to do that Baruch thing. You might just want to kneel. I don't know. But would you begin to just begin to thank God for salvation today? Would you begin to thank Him that you have Him as your source? You know, if, if we lost it all tomorrow, today, we've got God. And if we've got God, He can take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude because He's the source. Father God, as we stand in Your presence this morning in this service, on this Thanksgiving weekend, we are blessed beyond measure. And I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Father. I just bow before you and I praise the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me with, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I give you praise for it all. I'm thankful. Young people, I want to just talk with you just for a moment. Uh, you know, don't let this world define you. You get up every morning and you say, I'm blessed of God. Children, you get up every day and end your day by saying, I am blessed of the Lord. I'm blessed beyond measure. I'm a child of the living God as we've already heard this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for every blessing today in Jesus' name. Could we just give the Lord an applause for his greatness today? God bless you is my prayer.